I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a Wednesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and Ashley Bastock. We continue rolling through the offseason here, uh, and I thought today would be a fun day. You know, Mary Kay and I started to look a little bit ahead on Tuesday to the offseason, and I felt like today might be a good day to maybe do some predictions. Um, so each of us come up with like one prediction and talk through it. I do want to spend a little time at some point, we're going to reflect a little bit on the season that just happened, but uh, we're going to give it a little time. We have to do our awards show still too. So uh, maybe we'll circle back and do that at some point in the next couple of weeks. But today we continue to kind of look forward and I'm curious you know, what you guys think might happen, kind of call your shot on something as we move forward into the off season. I have one. It's not super exciting. It's interesting, but it's not like an exciting, an exciting position or anything. So I don't know if either of you have a really good one you want to lead us off with. I can, if, if you want me to, but um, does anybody have a really good one or do you just want me to go? I don't know if you would consider this to be really good, but I think I have one that's kind of interesting. Well, let's do that then. Okay, we'll see. Um, It seems interesting to me, but I think that there is a world in which the Browns can bring back Jacoby Brissett as their backup quarterback. Uh, I don't know that Joe Flacco will be back here, even though, you know, the Browns love him, the fans love him. You know, he might be best served by going somewhere where he really has a bona fide chance to either start or be a bridge quarterback for a rookie or compete with someone for the starting job. So I don't know necessarily if he will be back here, but I think there's a world in which Jacoby Brissett can come back. He tried to go to Washington and be the starter. It didn't work out. Uh, I know they would have been willing to trade him at the trade deadline, but the Browns were not willing to give up what it was going to take to get him at that time. And, you know, they somehow saved the season with Joe Flacco. So they were very lucky Uh, to have that happen because, uh, you know, that could have gone south in a hurry. But now I think they and other teams recognize that you really do need a really good backup quarterback that can step in and potentially start six, seven, eight games for you, maybe more. So so I'm going to say that they make a pitch to to bring Jacoby back. And I think that that would give them a bunch of leadership that they're going to potentially lose with some other guys and uh, a really good backup. So, no, this is a good one to start with. I actually like this one. 
Um, the backup quarterback is going to be a big topic, and Joe Flacco is going to be a big topic moving forward in this offseason. And I almost feel like I almost feel like Joe Flacco played too well, and people loved Joe Flacco too much for the Browns to bring him back. I know that sounds weird, but like I just envision this world where Joe Flacco is the backup quarterback, and Deshaun Watson comes out, and maybe he plays like he did the first two games this year. And it's kind of gross and he throws a couple interceptions and he just doesn't look real sharp. I mean, he's started slow before in his career before it's not unheard of. And he's coming off major surgery to his throwing shoulder. So he just might start slow. And then you got people screaming for Flacco. Hey, look how Flacco ran this offense. Put Flacco in. Let's let's ride the Flacco train some more. And I don't know, that might not be a healthy thing. I don't know if that happens with Jacoby. People love Jacoby, and I think you would hear people saying, hey, let's go to Jacoby for a little bit. But I don't think it ever got to the level that it did with Flacco. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I know people really did like Jacoby. But Ashley, I like this. I'd be I'd be open to Jacoby coming back. Can we say coming home? Was here long enough to call it coming home? <laughs> I mean, maybe in fans' hearts, because he really did endear himself to people here while he was here. And, you know, the guys on the team obviously loved him. I do think it's funny. I I just feel this overwhelming sense of deja vu because this is almost the exact conversation we had about Jacoby Brissett last year, that maybe he just looked a little too good when he was out there. Obviously the difference between Jacoby and Joe is the fact that the wins didn't necessarily come during uh, towards the end of Jacoby's tenure as the starter, but he still showed he could do a lot of things really well. And I think none of us were really surprised that when he had the opportunity to go out there and test the waters and compete for a starting job, that he took that. That being said, Jacoby has gone off. He's done that. He didn't win the starting job, really, over Sam Howell. I know they benched Sam Howell eventually and gave him another go. But the grass wasn't necessarily greener on the other side. And I think when you look around the league, his opportunity here, because Deshaun's coming off of that injury, because of their relationship, because of what the Browns have already seen him do, might not be such a bad one. And now Joe Flacco is an even better story like we were just talking about than Jacoby ended up being last year. And Jacoby himself was a pretty good story. So I definitely could see this happening. I would be all for it just because of the familiarity. And I think we were all for them bringing Jacoby back for the 2023 season if they could have done it. So why not run it back just a year later? And Mary Kay, the thing with Jacoby too is like, you know, he did... He did go and try to become a starting quarterback again, and it didn't happen for him for various reasons. And and when he was supposed to start, he gets hurt. And, you know, Washington's going to draft a quarterback, I would imagine, with that number two pick. So th- they'll probably want to get him in right away. They won't, Even if they play their backup, it'll be for like a month, right? We know how this works. When you draft a guy that high, you got to play him. And you usually end up playing him sooner than, than you expect. So even if he were to stay in Washington, there wouldn't be that much of an opportunity to start there. And I don't know that anybody's going to be banging on his door this year to be a starter again. So maybe it's maybe the timing is just right for I'm going to say it. I'm I'm saying it. The timing is right for Jacoby to come home. There you go. Um, I I think it is. I really do think that it is. And, uh, you know, he might be more inclined to do that, you know, now that it seems like it might not be as easy to get a starting job or to get a, a, a bridge job. So if he thinks he can come here, and you know what? Who knows what kind of an opportunity there will be here. Deshaun is coming off of shoulder surgery, and everybody 
expects that he's going to be fine by the start of the season and by training camp and all of that. But you never really know how that's going to go. And you never really know how it's going to hold up in the end. There was a lot going on in that shoulder. And I don't know if he had anything done with the rotator cuff yet. We haven't really been able to find all of that out. But, you know, we certainly know that he had the fractured glenoid bone repaired. Um, and who knows, maybe you can come back even stronger than before from a fractured glenoid bone. I don't know, but, um, nobody really knows how that's going to go. And there might be opportunities for the backup quarterback to start a significant amount of games for the Cleveland Browns. So I think it'd be a great job for Jacoby. Everybody loves him here. He knows the system. He knows all the parties involved. He and Deshaun are really good for each other. He's great for Deshaun. They, are really close friends. Um, they get along really well. Jacoby, when Deshaun is starting, he knows his role. He doesn't, you know, he's not sort of hanging in the background, you know, wishing he were the starter. You know, he knows what his support role is in that situation. So I, I think it'd be, I think it would be really good. I think it'd be really good because I do think that if Deshaun did struggle and Joe, uh, was on the roster, then, you know, I do think that, uh, the din would be very loud. And I think Jacoby's good for Kevin too. I think Kevin likes to have kind of that older veteran in that room, I think, and kind of that other coach in, in the room with, with his quarterbacks. I think he sort of values that position. And I think Jacoby would be good for, for DTR. Like not, obviously Flacco would be too, but I just think it, I think it would be weirder with Flacco. I don't know why. I, I just think Jacoby would be coming here with just more of a clear role and again, like I said, more of like he kind of took that shot. He tried to parlay that into a starting job. It didn't happen. Um, it just everything's lining up, Ashley. I think I like this. Mary Kay started us off strong. I know I do, too. Like I said, I mean, I'm all I'm all for this idea just from the familiarity aspect alone. I really think that's important. I think it's important for Deshaun. And I think like once again, this season has hopefully taught the Browns that you can't be overly comfortable at backup quarterback at any given time. And like Mary Kay said, I think the fact that this injury is such an unknown for the quarterback and the fact that it's his throwing shoulder, I do think you really have to account for that when you're building that room around him. Okay, Ashley, what do you have? Yeah, I was going back and forth between a few things, a few different positions. They all really were offense, but I think what I'm going to go with is my prediction is the Browns sign another big name receiver opposite of Amari Cooper, because I just think it was like the most glaring need down the stretch of the regular season. Um, And we know, obviously, this is something we're going to, I'm sure, talk about ad nauseum, their cap situation for next year. They're projected like to be, I think, 13.9 million or 14 million over the cap next year as things stand right now. You look at Amari Cooper's cap hit, his number's about 23.7 million for the 2024 season. Um, so it's fascinating. You know, I'm really curious to see if they what they're going to do with that contract, if they're going to restructure it, if they would let Amari go. Um, I don't think they should. I think that would be a massive mistake because of how good he's been here. But I am curious to kind of see how that market shakes out and if we're going to see them be aggressive in the way they were two years ago when they got Amari. Because looking at like some of the big names, I haven't spent a ton of time researching this, but like, would they be willing to go out and poach like a T Higgins if they could, you know, like somebody who can go out there, make big plays for them because they, you know, year after year, it just seems like that has been their weakness. And Amari, I think, is like the one move we can look at and say, yes. 
go out and do that again. But it's going to be a lot to manage with the money. Yeah. So um, Jason underscore OTC, the guy that runs over the cap, tweeted uh, what day is today? He tweeted two days ago. The Browns are about 17 and a half million over the cap, but they can save about 66 million with restructures, which includes 33 million from Deshaun's Deshaun Watson's contract. Right. So they'll reach into Deshaun's contract again. There'll be some other contracts. So they're going to be able to create some cap space. Now that cap space can disappear quickly um, in, in this league. But they're going to be able to create some room, Mary Kay. And we talked about this on the pod on Tuesday. Like, they have mm-hmm. to add. That was the first thing. And there's a video up on our YouTube mm-hmm. channel, too. That was the first thing you brought up, receiver. Mm-hmm. And it just became glaringly obvious as this year went along that this re- this was kind of a one-receiver team. Um, and Elijah Moore kind of started to come around with Joe Flacco, but it was still sort of limited. You just need another legitimate number two receiver. Um and Donovan Peoples-Jones didn't really develop into that this year, I think, like they hoped. And uh, Cedric Tillman, it was just he's just not ready for that role yet. I don't think you want to go into next year with him as your starting number two. You want to let him keep developing. So, yeah, they, they need to make that a priority, whether it's in the draft, whether it's signing somebody. There's going to be some options out there at receiver, and, and they need to go get somebody. Yeah, as you mentioned, that was the number one thing, um, the number one need that I brought up when we did the Hey MK pod yesterday was that big name wide receiver. And that's kind of, kind of why I wanted to change it up a little bit today um, and, and come up with something a little bit different. Uh, but certainly uh, this is what I think is the number one need on the football team. Um, Jacoby is, is something that I think might actually happen. So I wanted to use that, you know, just as a prediction, because I felt like I could throw a name out there that might actually show up here. But as far as the wide receiver is concerned, um, in my mind, it is the number one thing that they have to do in the off season. And they, it's not a draft thing. Okay. Like no drafting the, the receiver. First of all, they don't have a first round pick. At least they don't have one right now. Um, uh, and they probably aren't going to get one. Um, So I would be looking to trade for a a number one receiver, not necessarily a number one receiver, but a 1A, Um, or go after one of the biggest ones in free agency. And I think it's vitally important. I don't even know for sure if Amari Cooper is coming back at 24. I I know he's not coming back at $24 million cap hit. I really don't see that happening. I suppose it could happen because he's good enough to warrant that, but they're probably going to at least restructure that and give him some of it in a bonus money and void years and all those kinds of things. But they've got to go out and find a new number one, number one, a receiver or number one receiver. And it's, it's gotta be somebody that is probably going to make the pro bowl. That's the level that they have to be looking for. Uh, If they want to get to the promised land, that's what they're going to need. And even when you see, a Baker Mayfield, you know, out there playing, playing ball, you know, I mean, he is where he is largely because of Mike Evans. I mean, if you don't have that guy making amazing catches and amazing plays for you, you really aren't going to be going anywhere. And Jalen Hurts last night, he didn't have AJ Brown. I mean, the minute AJ Brown was out of that game, I'm like, there's no way they're winning this game. Jalen knew they weren't winning that game. 
I mean, he showed up with the worst body language in the world for that game. It seemed like it, they all did. But um, but if you have at least one of those guys, two of those guys uh, that, that are Pro Bowl caliber receivers that can get 1,000 yards for you, I mean, kind of what Jarvis and Odell were supposed to be, right? I mean, and those guys did get 1,000 yards each in one year. So, um, you know, that's what they need. They need two 1,000-yard receivers who are going to go out there and make just dazzling, amazing plays. And then the other pieces that they have can be complementary, but they need that guy for sure. And there are some intriguing uh, free agents on the market, but also, like, we kind of know with, with Andrew Barry, like, it's not just free agents, right? You really got to keep an eye on you know, when Amari Cooper becomes available in Dallas or someone else uh, happens to become available, you know, there, but there's some names out here, including Mike Evans. Um, if we feel like doing the uh, Odell Beckham off season again, we could, we could do that. I don't know if I have that in me, but it's on the table. Uh, Curtis Samuel is a free agent. Um, you know, there, there's some names out here and, and there'll be some other names. DJ Chark. It's a guy that I've always liked. Um, there's names. There's names out there if, uh, if the Browns won somebody. So, Ashley, I think I think they're going to do something. But, again, I we're going to look at this free agent list. But I really think, just like with Amari, yeah. just like with Elijah, just like with Zedarius, their big addition might just happen to be, hey, somebody – this is why Andrew Berry loves hanging on to these day three picks. Somebody becomes available, and all of a sudden, here's – here's two fifths for, you know, a receiver that is probably worth way more than two fifths. Yeah. I like truly think that we're going to see a change in the room and that's the most likely Avenue to make it happen just because it's how we've seen Andrew Barry operate when there is that big glaring need. And, you know, like you said, Dan, we saw it last year with Zedarius Smith. We saw it with Amari two years ago. He will be aggressive to go and get that guy. We saw it with Dustin Hopkins this year. Like before he got released, they do the trade for him to just kind of, you know, guarantee it and make it more advantageous. And I do think that that's what we're going to see just because like Mary Kay said, like I said, this is just the most glaring need to me right now. Last year, I think those needs were more obvious or pertinent on the defensive side of the football, but for the most part, you know, I think there is some housekeeping they can do there, obviously. Like, are they going to try to bring Zadarius Smith back? I don't know if that's your topic, Dan. <laughs> but um, there, it's less defensive focus this offseason, in my mind. Like, Jim Schwartz was your big move there, ultimately, and that's great. But who are you going to pair with Amari? What's that pass-catching quarter going to look like? I don't think they got the job done last offseason, and we were all pretty vocal about that. There's more they could have done there, it felt like. It felt like that might be a hole. And I think it's still there. I think it is a whole. I think they need to be aggressive and take matters into their own hands and not wait for free agency. Yeah, I mean, I felt very strongly and wrote a column saying they should have signed DeAndre Hopkins. And I really do believe they, they should have done that. And, you know, sometimes, again, we've talked about this yesterday. Sometimes you don't want to upset the apple cart of the culture of your football team. And I don't know enough about what kind of a locker room guy he, you know, he would have been, but I know he's very close to Deshaun. And, you know, I know that those two guys uh, would have had a natural chemistry. And I think that's important. I think that, I think that is important. So, um, you know, they didn't do that. They had the money. You can always find the money to do these things somehow, some way you can always find the money. So they need to correct that this year. 
Okay, we're going to take a break, and then I'm going to offer my prediction. I think it's going to qualify as a bold prediction. I think. We'll see. We'll be back. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby, Mary Kay Cabot, Ashley Bastock making some predictions here. Okay, so this is, I mentioned tackle yesterday, Mary Kay. And I'm just, I'm, I can't figure this position out. I can't figure out what the Browns are going to do with this position because right now, as it stands, they are bringing back next year. Jedrick Wills at 14, his cap hit is 14 and a half million. Jack Conklin, his cap hit is close to 13 million. And then of course there's Dewan Jones and we don't have to worry about his cap hit because he's going to be super cheap for the next three years. And the Browns can't even pay him until after the 2025 season. So That's a huge benefit of having a fourth round pick. The problem here is you have three guys who need to start and you don't start three tackles. So something's got to give here. And the one move they can make so that two of those guys can start is a trade. And so I guess this is a bold prediction. My prediction is the Browns trade Jedrick Wills. They can't cut Conklin. Now, they'll they'll probably redo that contract. But they, you know, as it stands right now, it's a huge cap hit to trade or cut him. And then you're not doing anything with DeJuan Jones because, again, he's he's proven himself a capable starter. Jedrick Wills, however, when I look at over the cap, and I got to find it here real quick because I scrolled away. $14.175 million. Right. With his fifth-year option fully guaranteed. (laughs) But you can trade him. And you save twelve, almost $13 million, $12.7 million. That's according to over the cap. Now, I know they like Jed Wills. I know he was Andrew Berry's first draft pick, um, number 10 overall. But again, something's got to give here. Now, maybe they figure out a way to move on from Conklin. And obviously, it's not going to be Jones. But I, I don't see a world where you can have those three players in your building at the same time because they all three need to be starters. So right now, when I look at it, the easiest path is you trade Wills, you move Jones to left tackle, you put Conklin at right tackle, and you go from there. Is that crazy? I mean, is that something they would even consider? The only, the number one thing that comes to my mind about that is the fact that Andrew Barry does not like to give up on his draft picks. And as you mentioned, this was his first number one his first first round pick. They spent obviously the number 10 overall pick on Jed Wills. So that's the first thing that comes to my mind is I don't think they're going to give up on the notion of Jed Wills all that easily. Like they didn't give up on the notion of David Njoku very easily. Right. I mean, they just like got the teeth in the leg and hung in there. And then the other thing about um, Jed Wills is the fact that $14.175 million is not a lot of money for your starting left tackle. It's not a lot of money. Now, he started to come on stronger 
at the end of last season to the point where he was right up there in pass rush block rate. He was doing really well, according to ESPN analytics. Um, so I think he has gotten better and continues to get better. So I, I don't know. I, I just don't know if they would be willing to part with him. I think the person, the odd man out seems to somehow be Jack Conklin. And I don't know how that would look or what they would do with that. But that to me seems more one that they would be willing to do something about. You know, he's proven to be, you know, he goes out there, leaves it all in the field, but he's, you know, he gets injured, you know? So I, I don't know if they want to continue to move forward with, you know, with that kind of money and all that sort of thing. They would probably restructure, whatever. Um, but then the other thing is they found out this year that, you know, maybe you do need three really good tackles. You know, maybe you do need to hedge your bets against an injury to one of your starting tackles and have somebody really good to plug in there. Can they afford it? You know, maybe they can because they have DeWand on his rookie contract. So I, I don't know. I mean, it's an interesting, it's an interesting prediction and certainly a bold one, Dan, but I don't know if it feels like an Andrew Barry move to me based on how he just is fiercely protective of his high draft picks and just never wants to give up on them. So it doesn't feel like an Andrew Barry move. And like, I completely understand that. And everything you said is right, but I just keep coming back to this idea of, I, I don't know how you restructure Conklin's contract and say, Hey, welcome back. You're going to be a backup now. I, and, and you can't have him as a backup for $14 million. And I don't even know how you say to Dewan Jones, Hey, thanks for everything last season, but now you're a backup. And you certainly can't say that to Jed Wills. Hey, Jed, well, I guess you could because he's in his la the last year of his contract. You could say, Jed, you're our backup left tackle now. Thanks for everything. We'll, you know, play out your contract and we'll go from there. Maybe that's the maybe that's the option. But I'm I'm just trying to figure out how they're going to have because money wise, I'm sure they can make it work. But it's the it's the vibes, Ashley. It's the vibes I'm trying to get out here. How do you say to any of those three players, you're not playing next season? unless someone gets hurt. So this was one of my backup ideas. What I said, I was thinking of a handful. I was going to word it differently. You worded it much stronger than I was going to. And I was just going to leave it at Dewan Jones is going to be a starter next year. And we could have talked it out from there, but I like this more. So I'm glad I did not go with it. So like the thing that I keep coming back to along with what Mary Kay laid out and Andrew and how he is with these draft picks is just Jack Conklin's injury history. And this idea would make me nervous because of the last three years with him. And now granted in, in 2022, he did stay decently healthy, but this year coming back from that, he's getting up there obviously. And the older you are, the harder it is for these linemen to come back from knee injuries, especially that really, you know, everything that they have to do in the front of everything they have to take when they're out there in the trenches, that's hard. So I would worry about this from that standpoint. And maybe it's just because this year is so fresh in my mind and being down to your fourth and fifth or fifth and sixth, even at one point, I think it was when they had to put Watson in there um, in the wild card when James Hudson got hurt. 
it's that makes me nervous knowing that he has had to deal with some major, major injuries, major surgeries the last couple of years. Are you willing to do that? And I don't know. That's like, that's what's weighing on it for me. But I do think like I'm with you. I think Dewan Jones was so good. I mean, I had his PFF pulled up looking at the tackles across the league. If I can get it to load with the you know minimum snap count up. He was the 25th ranked tackle pass blocking in the NFL. I mean, he had a really, really strong year. And he's so big. He showed that he can do it. I do think he has to start on one side of the ball or the other. But Jack Conklin's injury history, just bottom line, makes me nervous to get rid of Jed Wills ahead of the season. And and you guys have hit on every single point that gives me pause on this. And that's why this is sort of a half-baked prediction here on January 16th. But because... Yeah, Conklin's injury history scares me too. It also scared me a little bit when they extended him. I thought that was a weird... I mean, I like Jack. He's a great player. Um, Seems like a really good guy when he talks to us. You know, loves Cleveland, wants to raise his kids in Cleveland. Like he's, you know, everything a Browns fan would want. Um, But that extension felt weird to me when they did it. And then, you know, this year he gets hurt again. And he has had issues staying healthy throughout his career. When he's on the field, he's one of the best right tackles in football. So... To argue against myself here, Mary Kay, that's something else that would concern me if I'm just going to say, yep, welcome back, Jack. You're the guy. They'd have to they'd have to hedge somehow. Right. If they if they let one of these guys go, even if it was even if they figured out a way out of Jack's contract, they would still have to have somebody to be ready to go behind DeWand or behind Jed. They'd have to they'd have to figure all of that out. But I when I'm looking at the roster and I'm trying to find the areas where like something's got to give, that feels like an area where something's got to give. And at least just a cursory look on January 16th, the easiest way out is to trade jet. I don't know if that's the best way out, but right now that feels like the easiest way out. Yeah. I mean, it would be. And here's the other thing, you know, if, if somebody makes you an offer that you can't refuse because they don't have a left tackle and you have a surplus, uh, you know, anybody is, is tradable. Almost anybody is tradable. So if, you know, if they can get a nice high draft pick for Jed and, you know, somebody's left tackle goes down at some point, then, you know, then they, they might consider doing that. But I think there is a world in which they are still looking at him as their long-term answer at left tackle. So in that regard, I don't know because he is going to have to get paid. I mean, they could franchise him after this year. He's got the guaranteed 14.1. They could franchise him after this year and the next year without giving him the huge, huge blockbuster long-term deal. So they've got some options there. But, um, you know, I suppose if someone made them that amazing offer that would enable them to, like, get the receiver that we think they need, we know they need, um, you know, may, maybe you do consider doing something like that. I'm not feeling it right now, but um, stranger things have happened because when you, uh, you know, when you don't extend your first round pick right away when you can, sometimes that means that they're not long for, for the team that they're on. So a lot of different things can happen here, but it's not the craziest bold prediction ever. That's for sure. And just, you know, this is this is all a result of DeWan Jones, right? Being mm-hmm. the player he was as soon as he stepped in. Like that was yeah. a 
the Browns might have hit the lottery there because you look at the next three years of his deal. You're looking at a cap hit of 1.1, 1.2, and 1.3 through 2026. And again, like I said, you can't even think about paying him and extending him until after the 2025 season. So, um, you know, we always talk about how valuable a quarterback on a rookie deal is, and I think there's other positions where that's the case too. And I think left tackle, if you decided to move DeWan to left tackle, that would certainly be a super valuable rookie deal to have for, for the next three years. I mean, what a what an amazing steal he was in the fourth round. I mean, an incredible steal. Everyone thought that he was going to be a first-round talent, and he is proving to be that. And I'll tell you, I mean, when I talked to him one-on-one in training camp, he basically said he wants to make uh, every other team regret passing on him the way that they did. And to get him in the fourth round and pay him what you only have to pay him over the next three years, that's absolutely remarkable and one of the best moves by this personnel department. I was just going to say, maybe Andrew Berry's best draft pick, which sounds like an off-season draft for us at some point. There you go. Um, Okay. That will do it for this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Find us on Instagram, search Orange and Brown Talk. Somebody commented on our our last stand-up I posted that they were very happy we found a place indoors to... uh, to do that stand up. And I, I told them, yes, we were, we were very, that would have been about a 15 second long video if we had tried to do that outside on Sunday. Um, so find us on Instagram, search orange and Brown talk, find our YouTube channel, search Cleveland Browns on cleveland.com on YouTube. You'll find us there and become a football insider subscriber, cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page for Ashley and Mary Kay. I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.